Hello and welcome to Writing the Coast. I'm your host, Megan Cole, and Writing the Coast is the official podcast of the BC and Yukon Book Prizes. This is where you'll find conversations with the authors and illustrators whose work has been nominated for the annual shortlist. The nominees have done everything from graphic novels to cookbooks and nearly everything in between. Today's conversation is with Francine Cunningham, the author of On Me, a beautiful poetry collection nominated for the Jim Diva Prize for Writing That Provokes. In addition to introducing you to Francine, I also need to introduce you to Jason Schurz, who did the interview for this episode. Jason is a writer specializing in music and health. He's currently doing his MFA in creative nonfiction at the University of King's College, and he's the host of a great podcast about the link between punk rock and mental health called Scream Therapy. Now a little bit about Francine, our guest for this episode. Francine is an award-winning Indigenous author based in Vancouver. In 2019, Francine was the first prize winner of the 2019 Indigenous Voices Award in the Unpublished Prose English category. She also won Grain Magazine's 2018 Short Forms Fiction Contest and has been shortlisted for many other awards and contests, including the 2019 Far Horizons Short Fiction Award. The poems in Francine's debut collection, On Me, have been described as engaging, expressive, and explosive. Francine starts this episode off with a reading from her book, On Me. On Mental Illness, Bipolarism on the Axis. This disease rips you apart. It breaks your heart. It throws you to chaos. This disease is the eater of dreams of life that could be lived. It locks you away in your bedroom, cuts open your skin, causes lightning in your brain, steals sleep, dreams. This disease takes you to the places where people walk alone. It brings you to the highs of glory, of life lived to the fullest, energy and brilliance and greatness. It shoves you into the blinding heat of the sun until you scream for more pain because you can handle anything. And then what's over there? A speeding dart of darkness hits you in the chest, and everything tumbles, and you are nothing and worthless, and why are you even alive? This disease feels hopeless. Living on this balancing beam feels hopeless, and you're exhausted from trying to smile, from saying everything's fine, from hiding the worst of it. You're exhausted from living, and so you scream into your pillow in the middle of a sun-drenched afternoon. You plead on hands and knees to God, to the Creator, to anybody who might be listening. But this disease... It is you, and you know only it, and maybe that can be comforting too. Thanks, Francine. Yeah. Wow, that's a, that's a heavy one. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. You're welcome. That's uh, a poem in my book on me. Yeah, and, and the book has all the different topics set out, which I really liked. I thought that's a really good way to do it. So on identity, on family, on love, on grief, on mental illness. Uh, and some more. So those are all interspliced through the book. Was that something that you decided on early on in the process or later before the book uh, was getting ready to come out? Uh, it was something I decided on right at the beginning. So I wanted, I thought of this book as sort of like an encyclopedia of just who I am. And so when I, when I sort of thought about it like that, I was like, okay, what are like the different topics um, that you would maybe find in my encyclopedia? And so these are sort of the, the bigger uh, issues 
that sort of came out of that thought process. And what was the process of deciding on the order of the poems? Because they're not in individual chapters. Well, I like to think about this book as like, um, like a skeleton. And so like, like a skeleton of a fish kind of. And so the sort of the main thread that's going through, which is like the spine of the book is uh, the on identity poems. And so they're really sort of holding the book together. And then from that, you have all the little like, little rib bones, which are like the on mental illness, on grief, on love, on ident- like on tradition, like those the things. So they sort of branch off of that main spine. Yeah. So if you notice the like on identity poems, if you were to read those all in order, if you flip through the book and just read those, like that tells its own story inside of the bigger story of the entire book. Yeah, for sure. And I went straight to the mental illness section just because I do live with mental illness. So reading those as, as an individual uh, thread was really interesting. And then going back to the book later and reading the whole thing. Yeah, that was all. Um, I, I, I just, I wanted, so I'm a fiction writer also. And so when I think about plotting out fiction, I think about writing arcs. So it's almost like every one of these different topics was like its own character in the book. And so they, they deserved their own sort of separate arc inside of the larger arc of the whole book. And the poetry book is called On Me. Now, if yeah. you were to hand this to somebody and say, here you go, would it reflect you now, then? Uh, I think it would definitely reflect. I, I think, it, yeah, it would reflect me in the past and reflect me right now. I mean, some of these poems were written quite a while ago. I guess like all of them were written at least two years ago because that's how long it took for the book to sort of be edited and created and put out into the world. And then some of them were the first poems I started writing. But I mean, they are about me. This is about my history. This is about who I am. And I really thought about this book as like an introduction to the world of like who I am. And uh, I sort of just put it all out there. So that's why it's on me. This is this is who I am. That's a great way of doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's a few really short poems in here, uh, ones that are two lines. And those, I really like those. They really got me straight to that gut. You know, there's one called Love, and it's on the on teasing section. And it just says, if I never teased you, I don't love you. And, you know, it just seems so simple, but there's a lot there to unpackage, really, with those two short lines. Yeah. And I mean, if you've ever been with around, like, a Native group of people, um, (laughs) there's lots of teasing, and there's lots of laughing. And that's just how I grew up with everybody teasing each other. And whenever a stranger came into our circle, you know, everybody sort of got a little bit more serious. And until that person was accepted into like our family, <laughs> they didn't get teased. <laughs> yeah, there's another one that starts with, I think it just starts with, wah, <laughs> which I thought was great. Yeah, classic anti laugh. <laughs> what did you learn about yourself writing these poems? I learned, that's actually a good question that no one's asked me yet. (laughs) Um, What did I learn about myself? I think I I learned that I spent a lot of my life trying to figure myself out in almost like a very clinical fashion. And these poems are really a reflection of that, I think. So I have journals and journals and journals filled with me just trying to like write my way into like who I was and just try and figure out why I was the way I was. And I did, I spent a lot of time doing a lot of like internal reflection about 
why I react in certain ways into certain situation. And I did do a lot of like talk therapy. So that probably helped with the process. But I don't know, I, I feel like when other people read this book, one of the common reactions is um, people are just really surprised at how like, I guess, honest I am about both like my faults and just like who I am, you know, but I've spent yeah. a lot of time thinking about it. <laughs> I know that people that write about trauma related incidents have a hard time with memory recall. Sometimes did that come into play while you were doing these poems? Not really, no. But I think just because I've spent so much time like really thinking about all of that kind of stuff and I spent years writing about it just to myself. So no, I, I think I have a pretty good memory when it comes to to my life. Um, you talk a lot about your mental illnesses that you live with in the poems, um, bipolar, yeah. BPD, and some other conditions. Now, how do all those affect your writing process? Uh, very interestingly. Um, so especially with the bipolar, it's, I would say that my writing is like, is very much directed by how I'm feeling and by what kind of state I'm in. So I have to work really hard to keep myself at a balanced level uh, every day of my life. And that comes with a lot of sacrifices, I would think, that maybe other people don't have to do. Just in terms of I have to keep a very strict schedule for myself. I have to make sure that I get like an exact amount of sleep and eat a certain way and do a certain amount of things. Like I just have certain things I have to do or else I can bear, I can tip pretty easily. So, um, part of what that is, is writing. So one of the things is that I can get really, writing can make me really manic because it can get me really excited, especially when I'm starting a project. Uh, and then if I don't regulate it, like if I, if I just stay up writing all night and, you know, a few days in a row, I can get, I can just hype myself up on that mania. So I, I have to physically stop myself. And like, um, I have a really good support system of family and friends who can sort of like, you know, they call me, we talk every day and they can sort of listen to almost like the changes in my voice because they can sort of hear it. And they'll be like, oh, your voice sounds, you sounds like you're getting kind of manic right now. I think you need to step away from whatever you're doing and, and like take care of yourself. And then that sort of like helps me regulate. So I feel like, and then when I'm feeling really depressed, when I'm in a really depressive episode, writing always helps me. Uh, it can take a while for me to get get back into wanting to write, but then once I do, I can find that that helps uh, lift the depression a lot faster. So, yeah, so my mental illness definitely plays a role in my my writing. And in my uh, my first novel, my YA novel that I'm sort of doing a final revision on right now, that's all about a young girl with dealing with mental illness. And so I'm really, that's where I'm doing sort of more of a deep dive on like what it's actually like to live with it every day. Yeah. And it sounds like despite the mood episodes, you're able to still get things done. Yeah. Yeah. I've sort of like learned I have to, you know, I'm, I'm 35 now or 36. I can't always remember how old I am, but I'm in the 35, 36 range. So it was a lot different when I was in my early 20s. Uh, but I spent most of my 20s sort of working to get to the point where I am right now, and just in terms of, like, being stable. Uh, there's a poem in the book called Generalized Anxiety Disorder, and it yeah. looks like a bunch of words are just spewed onto the page. <laughs> and then I thought to myself, wow, this must have taken so long to get it set up and all figured out like that. It's quite the piece. 
Yeah, well, that is like, I don't know if for anybody who, who has general anxiety disorder, I feel like that is my thought process a lot of the time. <laughs> like I do a lot of ruminating. Uh, so that's where you like repeat something over and over and over and over and over again to yourself. Yeah. And it's sort of like you can't, it's really hard to get out of that thinking. And so that poem is just like a visual representation of what it feels like in my brain, like in my mind when I'm stuck in that sort of panic zone, this can last sometimes for days or weeks or where I just can't stop ruminating about the exact same words over and over again in a specific order. And so that poem is really just what it feels like. (laughs) And it's overwhelming. (laughs) When you had the poems ready to go, or maybe even after they are published, what did you feel about seeing, seeing them all together like that? I'm scared, honestly while I was writing them and when I was putting them together and even when I pitched them to my publisher, Caitlin press and they accepted them, I still hadn't fully realized that the world would be able to read them, which sounds really silly, but I just hadn't fully grasped that I think. And then when I actually saw the book in my hands and I got my copies and I like flipped through it, I was like, Oh my gosh, the whole world's going to be able to read about me. Even though like I titled the book like on me and like, yeah. It, it just it just didn't hit me until and then I started doing readings and and people started to tell me what poems really hit them and I was like oh my gosh like it's just a really interesting experience to have strangers in my thoughts that I've only had for myself for most of my life. Yeah, I guess it's easy to be insular while you're writing it, and then once you put it out there, there's a bit of not backpedaling, but just like uh oh. <laughs> If there was, there was definitely a moment like, ah, and I kind of reacted in a way that I sort of hid from the world for like a month or two. And then I sort of came back and I was like, no, 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 you did this on purpose. It's okay. Everything's okay. And this was the, this was the purpose. And I really did, like, I wrote these poems specifically, like, I really wanted them to reach Indigenous youth because that's who I work with. And that's sort of like where I've sort of devoted a large portion of my life to and I was like, no, no, just like, remember your purpose and who you wrote these for. And, and they, and that sort of just like re, re changed my focus. And I was like, no, okay, this is a good thing. Yeah. And you had a call to indigenous youth and the acknowledgements, which I thought was very touching. I did because I just wanted them to know that this book really was for them. And they're the reason that I'm like still going and still doing the work that I'm doing. And do you mind talking about what work you do with them? Oh, sure. So for like the past, I don't know, at this point, maybe like 15, 10, 15 years. Yeah. I've been working with Indigenous youth, just sort of teaching them writing, like basic writing skills, uh, visual art, um, creative, like explosions, whatever they want to do. I used to primarily just work with urban youth. Um, So kids who live like off reserve, who've lived, uh, grew up in the city, who maybe don't have a huge connection to their culture, people who grew up sort of like me, myself, like I grew up in the city also. And, um, and that was really fun. And then for the last five years, four or five years, I've been going into community. So like onto reserves and working with students on still on writing and just really my, it's how to like infuse their writing with their own lived experience is like sort of one of my goals. So really making sure that their writing echoes their own voice. And cause I feel like their words are so important and their lot, their lived experience is so important. And, um, 
having them be able to tell their own stories instead of other people going into their communities and telling their stories is so important to me. So just me trying to like give them the skills and confidence to be able to do that. And what do you bring back to your own writing from that work? I mean, (laughs) I think I, I bring a lot more fun into my writing because when you're working with youth, a lot of their writing is just really exciting and it's really inventive and it sort of, it breaks the rules because they don't, maybe they don't know all those like really stuffy literary rules yet. And so they're just writing to write. And so it really kind of brings me back into that place. And your book is quite heavy in some parts like we talked about, but there's also a lot of joy and fun in there too. Yeah, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) You got to have, you got to have that balance or else, you know, I don't want people to be like, oh, that was a horrible time. (laughs) Were some of the subjects in there easier to deal with as far as actually writing them? Or was it pretty much all the same through the book? Um, Well, that one poem I have in there called like, what if, which is like a series of like questions that I'm asking about things that I wondered about for a long time. Like, what if like giants did roam the earth? You know, there's a lot of historical texts that like have mention of them. What if, you know, the whole, what is it? The Hadron Collider conspiracy? Like what if that's actually real? Like there's just like a lot of questions that for me was really fun because those are conversations I've had with people for years, you know, at like midnight when you're just like starting to ramble about random things. So I had a lot of fun writing that poem. This is a question that not a lot of folks like being asked, but um, do you have any favorites in the book? Do I have any favorites? Well, that is an interesting question. Uh, I don't know if the word is favorite, but I do have a specific poem that means probably the most to me. And that is the poem, I'm just making sure I got the exact title, On Grief Hospital Visits. So that poem, I think, means the most to me out of this entire book. And that was really just about my mother's, like, the process of finding out she had cancer and then everything she had to go through until she passed away. And that poem was very, very hard for me to write. And it took about a year because I was, I had, like, when you read the poem, I had a lot of rage towards the medical system. So it took about a year for me to like let go of some of that pure rage and then be able to write this poem. And so, yeah, I would say that poem is, is the one. Yeah. What's it been like switching from poetry to fiction for you? Uh, well, I've done it my whole life, I guess. So even as a teenager, I was writing both uh, poetry and fiction. And then when I did my master's in creative writing and I actually did it in fiction, So uh, I only took one poetry class in my master's program and throughout, like that was it. That was the only poetry class I've ever taken because during my, my bachelor's degree, I did a lot of fiction also. And so, but I, I'd say I primarily focused on fiction for most of my writing life. And, um, but the thing is for me is like poetry is where my heart lives and it's where my truth lives. And so I really, really did want this book to come out first. Uh, And even if I don't write another poetry book, I just really felt like this one, I wanted it out there in the world first before I started like putting out my fiction. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'll rephrase my question. How is it to switch between fiction to poetry? (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, um, another question that uh, I have is in regards to 
the response that you've been getting from this? Because you mentioned that when you first uh, had it released, you're a little bit, you know, in the uh-oh stage. Um, what has it been like in now that it's been out for a bit? Overwhelmingly positive and supportive. People are incredible. And they've really been, people have been making an effort to, like, reach out to me and, like, let me know what their favorite poems have been, which, what poems have really touched them, what poems that have made them, like, illuminated some things for them or or made them feel like they had the power to speak their own truth after reading my poems, which has been really amazing. So I would say that, yeah, it's really supportive. What thoughts have you had when you look back on it now, reading it again? I I just, I feel a lot of joy, honestly. And especially when I'm reading the poems I've written about my family, it just like, it just reminds me, like I can see them and I can hear them. And especially when I've written about some family members who've passed away, like it's just, it's just really great. I actually have a great story about one of the poems in there. It's about my uncle. And he had this laugh where he just laughed through his teeth. He'd be like, and this was his laugh. And, and he was like a really big guy. So you've got this big native guy who maybe, maybe look kind of imposing. And then when he laughs, it's this like silly little laugh. And I was doing a reading in Toronto and I read that poem. It's just two lines and I took the laugh. And then someone came up after me, came up to me afterwards and was like, oh my gosh, are you, was that Stewie? And that's my uncle who passed away. And I was like, yeah, he's like, oh my gosh, I knew him. Like, and I didn't say his name. I didn't say anything. All I did was do his laugh and they knew exactly who he was. And I'd never met this person before in my life. And they had no idea that I was his niece, but they just knew. And so that was a pretty magical moment. (laughs) Wow, that's cool. Yeah, yeah getting back to those acknowledgements that seemed like a very important part to yeah. um, a message to folks to, to carry that on the themes yeah. that you had in the in the book yeah and I think also like I did put in like my first line is like I want to thank all the indigenous writers who paved the way for me to have the courage to write this book and I honestly I really truly mean that because like growing up the only book I ever read in school was Indian in the cupboard that had a native character in it And it's not like that's like the best representation in the world. So that was all I had. And so, but in university, I I was able to be exposed to more indigenous writers who just really like blew my mind and let me know like that I could tell my own story and tell my own truth and like, and it was okay. And that, and so I just really like, that's my goal is to continue passing on that lesson. And, um, I remember uh, the writer Lee Miracle. I was at some sort. Of, I was at an event, and she was there talking, and it was like an all Indigenous writing conference sort of thing. So we were all just in this room together, and it was pretty amazing. But she got up on stage, and she talked about how we really need to embody as Indigenous writers this teaching of the one hand up, one hand down, which is as we as individuals are sort of climbing that ladder of getting our books published, getting success, that we really have to have one hand down always bringing up as many youth and as many people as we can with us because there's like there's more than enough room at the top of this for all of us to be there celebrating together. And so I find like maybe in in other literary communities that sometimes it can be very much like all about the person and like my success and like what I can do for myself and like just making sure I get to the top. But I really feel like 
it's my my duty and I really took that teaching seriously about um, bringing as many youth with me as I can. Thanks to Francine for being on the podcast. And thanks to Jason Schurz for your thoughtful questions. This was such a fantastic conversation to listen to. And as always, thanks to you, our listeners. We couldn't do this without you. And it's so great to know that so many people are enjoying this podcast. If you'd like more information about the BC and Yukon Book Prizes, visit our website, bcyukonbookprizes.com. You can also find us on social media, so Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Next time on the podcast, you'll hear my conversation with Ivan Coyote. Ivan's book, Rebent Sinner, is nominated for the Jim Diva Prize for Writing That Provokes and the Hubert Evans Nonfiction Prize. Thank you for listening to Writing the Coast.